With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome into the Rockies Up Talk podcast. I am your host, Terry Lambert, joined as always by Evan. Uh, Evan, you're you're quite the busy man these days. Uh, Evan's going to be covering the, the NFL draft here uh, this week in Nashville for Bucks Nation. So, uh, Evan, thanks for squeezing us in. Hey, man. It's my pleasure as always. You know, Rocky Top always comes first on the list of priorities, so it's no no problem at all. That's right. So today we're going to dive into the spring game. Uh, we took a week off last last week. I've been moving. It's been a busy time. So uh, happy to dive back in here. Uh, if you're not familiar with our work, you can check us out, rockytoptalk.com. We've got the, the most up-to-date news. Uh, you can find everything there. Uh, daily so plenty of features plenty of breaking news all that stuff check out rockytoptalk.com all right so the spring game was I I guess 10 or 12 days ago now Uh, you know interesting that some of the same concerns popped up Uh, you know Jerry Garantano wasn't great offensive line was poor Uh, you know it's it's kind of like uh, Groundhog Day around here. You wanted to see those two things really shine. You know, Garantano had his moments. Uh, the offensive line did not. I didn't think they were able to generate a push. Uh, no run game to be found. Uh, and once again, that offensive line uh, just seemed to boil over into Jared Garantano's lap. Uh, just no no rhythm to the offense outside of that two-minute drill. Uh, you know, headed into halftime, which seemed to spark everybody. But uh, just in in the basic offense, uh, was not really impressed with that first team. So that was disappointing. But like I said, everything came together in that two minute drill. You saw Jared Garantano get get hot. You saw him complete some some passes down the field. Uh, Josh Palmer, Marquez Callaway, Jawan Jennings. You know those guys are really really talented. It's just a matter of whether or not this offensive line can protect him. Uh, and, and once again, uh, on Saturday during that spring game, uh, they, they weren't able to do that. Now, they don't have all the pieces there. All the pieces of the puzzle are not here. Darnell Wright is going to arrive as a day one starter. So uh, you've got some upside coming in there. So I, I don't think the final five is set there, but still uh, kind of concerning once again to be talking about this. Yeah, man, like you said, it's Groundhog Day all the way around. Um I I just don't know what to say at this point. You thought maybe it was just the Bush Jones scheme, the Bush Jones effect, whatever you want to say, for the five years that he was there, and that's why we had terrible offensive line play. And it really wasn't even good during the Dooley years either. But, um, yeah, I, I saw some of the, especially, um, you know, Austin's power tee tape. I saw a couple of the uh, plays he posted on Twitter where, um, Jeremy Banks, or not Jeremy Banks, but one of the running backs for Met, yeah, it was Jeremy Banks, was met in the backfield, I mean, by like four guys before he probably even took about two steps. And I think the quote that you uh, posted in one of your articles on RockyTopTalk.com, Rocky 
uh, where Jeremy Pruitt said, you know, you can do a lot as an offensive lineman by yourself, whether you're taking a zone step, so on and so forth. You can do all that on your own, and we need guys to do that. They need to have pride in their performance and go work hard this offseason. I mean, that right there is pretty much saying that we need somebody to step up, and if you're not going to step up, we're going to find somebody else who does or who can. And, I mean, man, it's just depressing at this point. Yeah, and, you know, outside of pass protection, which was clearly an issue, it's just the lack of push in the run game. You know, Banks goes seven carries for 24 yards. Tim Jordan had eight for 39. Todd Chandler had seven for 32 you know, those are those are decent numbers. They're they're pedestrian, but uh, you look across the line of scrimmage at, at that defensive front that you're running at. It's not very good. You know, let's be real. It's the Tennessee defensive front that's replacing three starters from last year. Uh, Tennessee doesn't know what they have right there, and uh, they they kept them bottled up pretty good. And I, I know it's a spring game, and we shouldn't overreact and all that, but um, still, you're you're just seeing the same issues pop up. So. You paid Jim Chaney all this money. You didn't didn't expect it to be fixed overnight. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I was uh, expecting a little bit more. Uh, but we'll 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 focus a little more on the positives. I, I thought Brian Brian Maurer, the the freshman quarterback, uh, three star prospect coming in, he came out really hot. Uh, entered in in kind of a, a two minute offense situation. Went five for five. Immediately sparked the offense. Ended up leading the first scoring drive. Uh, Jim Chaney got conservative in the in the red zone. Uh, the drive stra- stalled out there on, on the five-yard line. He went three straight runs there. Tennessee ends up kicking a field goal there. But that was the high point for Maurer. Um, unfortunately, th- that his day went downhill in a hurry. Uh, but on the flip side, Jalen McCullough came on. Uh, you know, freshman safety there, uh, known as a hard hitter, came away with two picks, almost housed one. Uh, already showing that he has playmaking ability um, and ball skills. So it was funny. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt talked after the game saying, uh, I, I don't know if he picked off more than one ball all spring and he comes away with two. So, uh, you know, you talk about the safety rotation uh, outside of Nigel Warrior, there's, it, you know, it's, it's pretty wide open. Uh, so I, I think J.O. McCullough did a, a lot of good. Uh, maybe he can break into that, that safety rotation. Um, and then defensively, what stood out to me, Tennessee got pressure uh, defensively with, with the first team. That was a surprise. Um, you, you know, that might be a product of this offensive line uh, being not so great. But above all else, I thought it was scheme. You know, Austin put something on Twitter uh, the other day uh, about a play straight out of uh, Nick Saban's playbook at Alabama. They schemed up pressure. And, you know, I think Jeremy Pruitt's going to have to do a lot of that. You've got Daryl Taylor there. But outside of that, you don't really have any consistency in that area. Uh, so I, I was really encouraged with the defensive side, uh, particularly with the coaches. Well, right, and pressure is going to help secondary, obviously. I mean, that's 101. But with the secondary developing like it is, especially with McCullough, like you were saying, and on top of Elante Taylor and Bryce Thompson, I mean, the defense sounds like it's starting to take shape and it's really starting to take hold, which can always help a struggling offense. Hopefully it's just not an offense that's been struggling as much over the past few years. Yeah, and some other notes. Shannon Reed uh, showed up in the middle of the defense. Nine total tackles. Uh, Really good to see him come on and be productive, a guy that we really haven't seen yet in his Tennessee career. 
uh, Quavaris Crouch. I, I mean, that guy really flashed in the second half. Uh, he had, there was a particular play where he started from the his middle linebacker position, uh, immediately read the play, and blew it up in the backfield. Just blew it up. Uh, so you see the athletic ability there. You know, that's a guy that's coming off injury that didn't play football last year. Might have played a couple of games, but uh, learning a new position. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see him work. Uh, he was working in the middle of the defense there, which I, I think is going to be his best fit. You know, 6'1", 230 pounds. Uh, I, I think that's where he's going to find a home there. It'll be interesting to see how they use him and Henry to Odo uh, together and how they, they kind of use him. I want to see if, if they put one on the edge, if they put them both on the edge, if they kind of rotate them all around. But a, a really good first day of work for Quivar's Crouch. And that's awesome to hear, especially if J.J. Peterson can turn out to be the recruit that we all think, then all of a sudden this linebacker core, they, it's got some teeth. Yeah, and J.J. Peterson was out. Uh, that was disappointing. I, I guess he was dealing with some sort of injury. and I'm, I'm not sure why off the top of my head, but – He's starting uh, to a huge bus, man. I, yeah, I, and I don't, I don't want to say it quite yet, but you know, at some point we yeah. have to see it yeah. um, on the field. Maybe it comes together this fall. And you know, you've you've heard some some good reviews coming out of spring camp saying that he was in shape. So uh, it's just a situation where we'll have to wait and see. Um, outside of that, I thought Jawan Jennings looked pretty healthy. And that was something that you couldn't say last year. Jawan just didn't look like himself last year. He looked just a little slow, a little lethargic. Um, you know, the, that particular ball that he caught over the middle, uh, running full speed. And then obviously the jump ball in the end zone. That looked like Jawan Jennings. And if, if Tennessee's going to have that guy, obviously Jerry Garantano needs some help but uh, in, in protection. But uh, a healthy Jawan Jennings could really make a huge difference in this Tennessee offense. Oh, yeah, easily. I mean, just – and even if he's on the sideline, he makes a difference. So, it's good to see him back doing his thing. And as long as he can stay and be that dog, then, you know, the receiving core is always going to have some kind of some kind of uh, attitude that the defense is going to have to deal with. Yeah, he goes five for 57 with a touchdown on the day. Uh, Marquez Callaway actually led the team two for 61. He had – all of his yardage on one big chunk play, picking on a freshman. Solid, man. I mean, it's just Cheney's just got to figure out how, how to get this offensive line to get Garantano some time. So, I mean, that's that's apparently that's harder than usual. That's the predicament, right? I mean, you've got Palmer, you've got Callaway, you've got uh, Jawan, but is the offensive line going to be good enough to even use those guys? Oh, it's so depressing. It's you know, terrible. so uh, I'm. You know, we'll see about Wanya Morris. We'll see about Darnell Wright. I think it's – we said this two weeks ago. I, I think it's probably unwise to to sit here and expect them to be big difference makers from day one. But right. you want to kind of see the, the light come on week six, week seven, week eight. By the time, you know, Kentucky, Missouri, Vandy roll around, you want those guys to be making a difference and be generating a push. So – Especially if Garantano wants to keep his head on his shoulders. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for the guy. Hopefully he gets an offensive line to work out work one of these days. Uh, all right, so we'll wrap up the football talk for now. We will come back uh, after this break and talk a little Rick Barnes. Okay, so the Rick Barnes to UCLA story is apparently the story that will never die. 
Uh, nope. we're, we're still talking about it. There's still stuff coming out every day on it. So no, it's, it's a Tennessee coach. I mean, there's all this kind of turmoil. Yeah, Tennessee can't go one day without some sort of drama. So um, the, the whole deal is Rick says uh, he probably would have been the coach at UCLA had they been able to work out the buyout. I don't know why UCLA couldn't pay a $5 million buyout. It, it seems like a pretty routine thing for yeah. a big-time athletics program to do. Um, you know, the interest was mutual. He said as much. You know, it, there was. he said he prayed about it. He said, you know, he asked God to point him one way or another. He ends up staying at Tennessee. Now, Barnes was criticized for, for bringing – uh, you know, his faith into the equation when clearly the buyout was the only thing keeping him there. Look, I, I get it. I, I mean, I, I get the the criticism, but, you All know. Right. Let the man do his thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, my goodness, it's, that's like the least harmful thing you can do. So I, I just, I, I don't understand how people can't see, you know, the, the buyout not working out might have been his sign that he needed from God, you know, whatever right. he needed to, to feel comfortable um, so I, I don't understand that criticism there, but just overall, what did you think of Barnes' honesty in that press conference? I liked it. Um, it's refreshing. I would much rather hear the truth, even though it might hurt at times. And, you know, like you're saying, I, I get where people are upset about it. Um, it is still, it's, I don't see why they can't. It's not mutually exclusive to have the two together. Um, but at the same time, I can see why some people might take it as, Oh well, he only stayed for the money, and look how look he's and. But it's just dumb. At the end of the day, it's dumb for people to be upset about it because he stayed and all that good stuff. But I'm proud for him for coming out and just being honest and just laying the facts straight. Because in this day and age, no matter if you try to cover anything up, odds are you're gonna get busted, and the cover up is always worse than the original lie. So, kudos to him put the pitchforks away, and let's get to win some more basketball games. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, as fans, we crave honesty. You know, we hate coach speak. Um, We we crucified Butch Jones for for that coach speak uh, and never letting us in. And then Rick is so honest, and then fans don't want to hear that either. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. I'd much rather have the honesty. Uh, you know, he really didn't have to say that. I, I think his interest there was was obvious. Uh, you know, he he described it as much as a as a dream job. So well, no, matter, no matter what you do, even if you don't say anything, even if you don't tell the truth, people are going to speculate regardless. So you might as well you might as well control the narrative tell exactly what's happening and then just deal with it after that you know instead of allowing the, the population to control the narrative that's the last thing that you need to happen right and and then this honesty you know uh, it comes out yesterday that there's a report that Barnes reached out to UCLA and it wasn't UCLA <laughs> reaching out to Rick Barnes Here and you know the fact that he's been so honest through this whole process Barnes comes out forward. today and, and he says you know that basically that report is BS so um, you know, in my mind, there's no doubt. There's no doubting Barnes there. You know, he's got that credibility there. So um, to, to see him shoot that down where he was in a position to shoot it down, you know, I believe the guy. So, uh, you know, just just so much to come out of this story. Like I said, it, it's just uh, – it, it seems to be never-ending. 
I'm sure we'll get something new in a day or two to to talk about next week. But um, you know, moving on. Just looking ahead with this team, I, I think the the focus has to shift now to Jordan Bone and Grant Williams. Both have declared. Both can come back. Uh, I, I think by the end of May is the deadline. Um, so you've got an interesting recruiting situation now. You've got to prepare as if both are going to leave. You've got to prepare as if one is going to leave and not the other. So you got to be prepared for all these situations. And, yeah. you know, a, a, an interesting name has surfaced here. Jalen Cohn, a 2020 prospect, has now been offered uh, the ability to reclassify into the 2019 class. Uh, Four-star guard, I think he's the 82nd overall player in the 2020 class. Tennessee has offered him to be a part of their 2019 class. So he told rivals, basically, they think Jordan Bone is gone. Now, you could take that one of two ways. You could say, hey, that's just a recruiting pitch to Cone. Uh, But I kind of take it as... Well, they wouldn't be after Cone, you know, if they they thought Bone was going to be back. Yeah, first off, this is like a bizarro world character, Jalen Cone and Jordan Bone. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, just just how how odd is that? But regardless, corny jokes aside, yeah, um, I mean, it's a huge red flag that uh, Jordan Bone is likely gone and going to the NBA. Um, I mean, if they're making the push this hard, I mean, yeah, I know you want your guy, but. He doesn't. He's not eligible until next year unless he. Well, I mean, obviously he was granted the the eligibility, but he didn't have to be granted eligibility. So Tennessee's always got a lot of interest, and yeah, I'll admit I didn't think Bone was going to end up leaving. I thought he'd get his evaluation and come back, but it's really starting to look like he's gone. Yeah, I thought it'd be the other way around. I, I thought Grant would be the one. Uh, that we felt would be leaving, and then Bone would come back with a chance to lead the show next year. But uh, it, it kind of seems like Grant it might come back, and, and Bone might be gone now. So uh, starting to see, starting to hear some some late first round buzz on, on Bone. Uh, you know, you get it, you get six three point guard, really late with, first round. Really yeah, yeah, six three point guard with that athleticism, uh, an improved shooter. Uh, just the light came on, and, and good for him. If he can go be a first-round pick, I'm not going to argue with him. Uh, I certainly think there's a a different dimension that he can reach, uh, but he doesn't necessarily have to do that at Tennessee. So, um, interesting. Uh, Cone would give Tennessee a long-term solution. You know, they've gone the grad transfer route. They might have to if they don't land Cone. But if Cone's a part of this roster, he can walk into the starting point guard role uh, when Lamonte Turner exits in 2020. Uh, and he could start as a true sophomore. So it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's something we're going to be watching. We've had updates all weekend on that situation, RockyTopTalk.com there for the latest. Uh believe Notre Dame is after him, Virginia Tech, Texas A&M. Um, so uh, he's got options. I, I think Tennessee is, is one of his top two or three at this time. So we'll see where it goes from there. All right, uh, well, one last segment to hit. The NFL Draft is coming up on Thursday. We are recording this on Tuesday night, so when we come back, we will discuss which Vols might hear their name called on Saturday. 
All right, I say Saturday because, well, you know, it's it's just not going to happen for him on <laughs> Friday or Thursday. Uh, so it, it's another lean year uh, for Tennessee, and and it's just it's just crazy to look back at the 2015 recruiting class and right. and, oh, and then look at what they have a shot to be drafted. You know, Kyle Phillips, oh. Shy Tuttle, both five star guys. We're talking about them just hoping they're going to go on day three. Yeah, I mean, and how crazy is it that um, Khalil McKenzie, if he would have stayed this extra year, he probably wouldn't he'd get dra- he probably wouldn't get drafted either. So he got out, and at least I don't even know if he's still playing for the Chiefs. Could have used heard. him on the offensive line. I was say last I heard they moved from the offensive line, uh, but um, at least he had a shot to get drafted. I don't really think anybody's getting drafted in these next couple days. Yeah, I I guess the best shot is Kyle Phillips. Um, played right. out of right. position, 6'4", 273 pounds. Kind of played a defensive tackle role for Tennessee just basically because they didn't have the bodies that that they needed. Uh, I think his best spot might be as kind of a rotational four four three edge guy, uh, someone that that can can take twenty snaps a game. Uh, was at the East West Shrine game, was impressive there. Uh, I've heard he's bulked up closer to two eighty, so maybe he's shooting for for playing on the inside there. But um, that that's my best guess. And, and and even there, even there, it's probably a fifth, sixth, seventh round type pick. Um, you know, I mentioned Shy Tuttle. I, I think he's yeah, a free agent. Shy has a shot. I think he still has a shot to make it, man. I I just – he was pretty underwhelming, you know. And, and right. he had been hurt his whole career. He finally put a, a whole season together. Just don't remember calling his name, you know. 33 tackles, two and a half for a loss. Honestly, Alexis Johnson was the more productive player playing right beside him all year. So – uh, shot total is at least on the NFL's radar. Was at the Collegiate Bowl out in California back in January. So, I mean, it's a possibility. Uh, and, and then the last name that that I really think has a shot is Corte Sapp, um, which is a weird situation. You know, he had that deal with the Florida game where he he got run off the sideline by Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, had a productive 2017, but but never really settled into a role uh, with with Pruitt in town. But Still, that's a guy, 6'1", 225 pounds, that can run a little, uh, has some speed, has some burst to him, so maybe he can find a, a home on special teams. Yeah, I really like Shytel a lot. I think he was just completely misused his entire career here. I mean, they, they used him a lot um, on the interior, more more so as a two-gap. Um, well, not necessarily a two-gap, but just more as the nose in uh in Jeremy's front, whereas he I think he'd fit better as a three tech um in the NFL. He's a lot quicker. Um he's got the right size. I don't know what his measurables are because he wasn't invited to the combine, but I, I think a team and I don't necessarily think he's gonna get drafted, but I think if a team gets him, the right team gets him and they can coach him and put him in the right fit, I think he could do well. I mean clearly the upside's there. Uh former five star recruit Reminds me a lot of Daylon Mack. I mean, out of Texas A&M, he was a five-star recruit coming in. was just misused. I think he even got hurt at one point in time. And he has all the tools in the world, so a team could just take a late, a gamble late. Speaking of highly touted recruits, Jonathan Kongbo um, uh, has uh, a, still has a shot. I mean, 6'5", 255 pounds. 
was was playing the edge for Tennessee, figuring out kind of the outside linebacker role uh, before his season was cut short with an ACL injury against Auburn. Just didn't ever produce at, at Tennessee, and, and you know I know he was played out of position with Butch Jones because. You know, the whole team dropped like flies. He ended up starting a couple of games at defensive tackle. Um, but it just seemed like the the light never came on for him. You know, you hear a lot of chatter w- with the, the CFL. Maybe that can be a, a home for him. But I think he will get a shot in the NFL first. That would be cool to see. I mean, he'd be perfect edge rusher somewhere. So, I mean, that would be awesome. And there's, there's a plenty of need for edge rushers in the NFL. It's a guy you pull for. Uh, I mean, it just seemed like nothing went right for him at, at Tennessee. So, certainly hope he gets his chance. Uh, elsewhere, you know, I've already mentioned Alexis Johnson. Had a pretty productive senior season. Uh, it took him four years to to really even find the field, but uh, played in every game. He, he was pretty good for Tennessee. Um, Keller Christ, I, I think, has a chance to be a camp arm. I, I'm not sure if he's got a chance to do anything else in the league. Uh, just kind of an odd release, you know, three touchdowns to, to two interceptions and just 51 passing attempts. Couldn't beat out Jared Garantano for the starting job like many thought he would. Uh, and then the last guy on my list, Micah Abernathy, uh, started 30, 30 games for Tennessee. Um, had really impressive pro day numbers, but again, they're, they're pro day numbers, so they're probably a little inflated. But um, guys like that uh, are, are the guys that you should probably be looking for on Saturday. Um, I, I don't think Tennessee has any chance of, of getting in the Thursday or Friday picture, which is just wild to think about when you look at, at this this 2015 recruiting class. You know, like you said, McKenzie Phillips, two five stars, uh, Preston Williams. You know, w- was a, a top receiver, ended up at Colorado State. He's in this. Yeah, he's in this draft class. He's got some off the field stuff. He's got to deal with um, Drew Richmond. You know, another high four uh, is still in the transfer portal. Jack Jones ends up retiring. Darren Kirkland has a bad knee. You know, Juwan Jennings still here. Corte Sapp, we've already talked about. Uh, Just wild to look back at some of these classes uh, and and just think what could have been. Uh, Just just really, just underachievement. You know, that's the word that comes to mind. That's the word that I think of when I, I see Butch Jones's face. Uh, you know, he, he certainly didn't have a problem getting talent to Knoxville. He restored the talent. You know, I've always given him credit for that. But Dad Gummit, he could not develop it. No, hell no. He just all these kids are hurt too because of their lousy strength and conditioning program. So it's just a double whammy. Yeah. So hopefully this is our last lean year. Uh, you know, at least next year you've got Jawan, you've got uh, Callaway, you've got Darrell Taylor. Uh, those are three pretty rock-solid NFL prospects. So um, hopefully this is the last year. It, it's just kind of embarrassing to be Tennessee and just, just to sit here and wonder uh, if you're going to have a, a player from your school called uh, during three days in the NFL draft. So uh, check out RockyTopTalk.com. We'll have all the up-to-date stuff, uh, undrafted free agent tracker. That's going to be fun to follow on Saturday as all of these Vols at least get a shot. Uh, to make it in the league. So, uh, Evan, thanks as always for joining us. Thanks as always for listening. Again, rockytoptalk.com for all the latest news and information. I'll talk to you all later.